14 podcast, and we just watched an absolute shit-kicking dog walking from the Philadelphia Phillies to the Toronto Blue Jays. But we move forward. Avery, what's up, man? How What's changed from you since uh, last time I talked to you 15, 20 minutes ago? I had a nice nap. Uh, reset the body. Um, and that's about everything that, that's happened. Tough effort, but we have a fun interview for you guys coming up. A split is a win. A split is a win. Uh, so, yeah, funny interview coming up. I soloed it. A little uh, Johnny June to back to the officially unofficial days. Uh, just a solo podcast interview. It was fun to just talk to uh, Schneids and kind of get a read off him. He is awesome. Absolutely fucking awesome. So I've always wanted to say this, so I'm going to say it right now. Without further ado, let's kick it to the Davis Schneider interview. All right. If you're watching this, you're seeing it's Johnny Solo on the screen with a very special guest. He went from 28th round draft pick to Canadian sensation, the man with the muzzy and the glasses, Davis Schneider. What's up, brother? Welcome to Gate 14. How are you doing, bro? What's going on, man? Thanks for having me. appreciate it. But uh, yeah, it's definitely been a crazy past couple of days, to say the least, but uh, it's been fun for sure. Yeah, and I'll hand up. This is a long time coming. We were... Uh, Listen, we got a little greedy. We tried to get you on on the Sunday after you made history at Fenway, but it couldn't it couldn't be done. You were probably doing tons of media stuff, but let's just go into that, man. I mean, the last couple of weeks, it's just been absurd. I mean, I'm assuming now you can't really walk around the Rogers Center without getting noticed. You're obviously a re- really easy person to notice with the, the glasses and the muzzy and all that type of stuff. What has the last couple of weeks been here, man? It's been pretty crazy. I mean, that's really all I can say. I mean... Yeah, like you said, like I would go outside the hotel and people would just start coming up to me, asking for autographs and pictures. And I'm from a small town in New Jersey, so like I would never really think of this all possible. But um, it's been cool. I mean, I'm a little overwhelming at times, but I mean that's just part of it, you know. So, but um, yeah, I couldn't really ask for a better start to a career. I mean, I never really thought this would ever happen, but you know, I'm here and gonna be more grateful for it. It's just such a great story, man. It really is. Uh, it, it's it's absurd. Obviously, I don't know. I'm not a math guy. I'm not smart enough to go over the percentages. But a 28th round draft pick shouldn't be in the place you're in. Plain and simple. But let's go into the start of your minor league career, man. Because I love the minors. And a stat came out that you're like one of the only guys that have played at every single level in the Toronto Blue Jays system. I love the minor leagues. Before we go into all the baseball stuff, what's the funniest minor league story that you have? So I, I'll give you a little background, some time to think about it. So on this other podcast I used to do, we've had big league guys talk about like stories of fans climbing light poles with machetes, waiting at the team buses to fight the players because they got chirpy during the game. We had a story where fans uh, thought the VIP section was in the dugout, so they just started walking towards the dugout and sitting in the dugout because there's not really much security there. What's the craziest minor league story you have in your career? I'm trying to think of fan-wise, that, now that you mentioned that, but, um, you know, I've had a couple games where fans ran onto the field in Vancouver. There was one and I was playing left and a literally a woman ran across the, the field and there was no security stop there at all. Like we had two security guards on the side of the field and like no one got up or did anything. And it was just literally like a 30 second pause in the game. And everyone was just kind of looking around like Did that just happened. But yeah, I can't really think of anything right now. Like hilarious wise. I mean, I've, lived a pretty standard minor league career i mean nothing crazy has went on but i'm sure there's there's a bunch of stories i guess it i guess it differs based off like where the jays are geographically like you guys kind of play in no disrespect to like the southern states but they don't get after it like they do and like when i hear these stories about like 
these these small towns in Georgia or these small towns, all that type of stuff. You're you're in fairly moderate, like normal cities. Like, I mean, obviously Vancouver is a very normal place, so it might be a little bit different. But look, going into your draft, your draft stuff. So you went 28th round. Where were you committed out of high school? This might be bad post bad podcasting for me, but where were you committed out of high school? I was going to go to Rutgers. That was my only offer I had. And so like, and I never really thought about the Juco route or anything like that. That never really came across my mind. I mean, I should have looking back at it, that should have been an option, but that was my only offer. Um, that was my junior year of high school. And they kind of gave me an ultimatum. They gave kind of gave me like a week to decide and <laughs> no, I had no other interest. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to go here. And it was a kind of a good fit. It was a big 10 school. You're going to play against other Big Ten, like Maryland, uh, Michigan. So, like, it was a good opportunity. But, you know, obviously they weren't the best Big Ten program. But um, obviously they're really good now. But at the time they weren't they weren't the top tier. Yeah. But, yeah, like I said, that was my only offer. So kind of just rolled, rolled with it. You were – I'm a Juco guy. I went to school in Nebraska. I wouldn't say I played baseball or technically based on my stats. But you were – like, you – are you are the perfect example of what a junior college baseball player is like you did that you that didn't cross your mind once like no no juco's reached out to you none of your high school coaches told you about juco nothing no not really there's like a d3 juco near me that's really good but that was just if no one no d1 schools kind of offer you that was kind of like last resort and yeah like it just didn't really cross my mind i mean i i should have went down south if I had the chance to play Juco, like in, you know, good schools down there, but no one re really reached out and Rutgers was the only kind of opportunity. So I kind of just had to go for that, you know? It's insane. I mean, and going into this, like in high school, did you, and obviously I know you said you, you couldn't imagine being here where you're at right now and all that type of stuff, but in the back of your mind, like, were you at some point, like, man, I'm better than a lot of these guys that I'm playing with just like the mindset you had and stuff like that. Like how, how come I only have one offer all that type of stuff? No, that's literally like the the funniest thing is that like I always thought I was good enough or even better than guys who are committed to like either Vanderbilt or Clemson or all, all these D1 programs. And I was, you know, I'm on the shorter side. I, I don't throw the hardest. I don't run. I was the same height I am now, but I was 30 pounds heavier in high school. I was I was kind of a little chub on the chubby side. So that kind of probably shied schools away from me at that point. But I always could really hit. I hit a every tournament that I would played in, you know, but I didn't really kind of fit the physical mold, as you should say. Like I didn't really kind of look the part when it came to a D1 baseball player. And so I think that's why I kind of coaches kind of shot away, but I always thought I was good enough, you know, but you know, you just got to put your head down and hopefully it works out. So you, you getting drafted, right? I mean, that puts you in a pretty vulnerable position, obviously, right? 28th round, not a lot of money there. You kind of turn down going to a school and I'm assuming get a, decent amount of your education paid for um how hard was that for you man i mean listen that like i said the number i'm not a math guy but the numbers aren't there for a 28th rounder to make the show who told you to be like fuck it just go go play professional baseball like who who was the one that gave you that piece of advice or was it just you not listening to anyone i mean it was definitely me but my parents obviously kind of supported me whatever decision i made and i didn't really think much of it like i got drafted and i was like okay i'm gonna go like you know i'm gonna sign and like looking back at it not a, not many high school players do that in the late rounds they don't really but it was just didn't really cross my mind like once i got drafted i was like all right i'm not gonna go to school like even if it was i only signed for fifty thousand, well guys high school guys were signing for millions or like you know 500 grand <laughs> like i didn't yeah. I signed for next to nothing compared to those guys but 
yeah, like I said, it didn't really cross my mind. It was just, all right, if I have the opportunity, just go for it. And then if it doesn't work out, I can always go back to school. Like I always thought school was going to be there for me. You know, maybe it's an extra four years when I'm 30 years old or something like that, but it was always going to be there, you know? Yeah. And, and go, let's go into the minor leagues here. I mean, I'm looking at your numbers here and I mean, you had to get piss tested at some point. I mean, you went from four home runs to three to six to nine to 16 and to 21 at like three quarters of the year at triple a explain this power surge to the people. Was it like a change in your stance? Was it a change in mindset mentality? Like how do you go from hitting four home runs in your first year? albeit in a decently smaller chunk of at bats to 21 in triple a, like how, how does that make sense? How does that happen? It was definitely a lot of things all thrown in the one. I mean, I was 18 when I first got drafted. So like yeah. I wasn't the biggest guy. And my maturity was my maturity level wasn't at, at its peak. But I mean, I definitely made some swing changes throughout the years. I mean, if you look at my swing throughout all six and a half years I've been in the Blue Jays organization, I have a different swing throughout <laughs> every year. Like I'm like I'm, it's funny because like I'm like known for changing my swing and tinkering it a lot, whether it's like game to game or month to month. Like it's different on a lot of videos that you'll look up of me. But, I mean, that's just the way I do it because sometimes my hands feel different in one spot. And I'm like, okay, I need to change something because it feels awkward, you know, that so if it's one day or not. But um, I think just because I got a lot of stronger – I mean, I got older. I'm 24 years old. So, like, if I didn't get any stronger, then, you know, that, that's on me. But um, I, did, I went to a toe tap this year, kind of a month into the season. I thought my timing was off a little bit. And I, I feel like the toe tap kind of helped me get into my legs a little bit more. And I think that kind of helped me lift the ball and hit it a little bit harder than I'm used to. So that kind of helped the home run side of it, but it also helped my timing. That was the whole point of it. And the home runs kind of just came with it. And let's go. I mean, so obviously, like I said, you're, you're, you're like, you're, you're, you're putting, you're putting up decent numbers early in your career when you're younger and stuff like that. At what level did you truly have the mindset where you're like, holy shit, man, like I, I actually think I can make the major leagues or I have a really good chance here to make the dream that I had when I was a kid a reality? Because obviously you're they're they're not like escalating you through levels. Like you're playing in A, you're playing like you're you're go you're playing in every single one. So at what point for you when you were having success were you like, I have a really good shot here, I have a really good chance to play professional baseball, like to play in the show. Sorry. To be honest, it was just this year. I mean, because literally <laughs> I got called up August, I think, 4th. I think I found out. And then. Yeah, I broke the news. We, people, people forget that. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to ask, how did you find out about that? It's, I, I, like, don't, I, I saw it. Okay, I, I don't reveal I the sources. Twitter. Just know Johnny Sources <laughs> is, is in the clubhouse. Just know I, I'm that guy. <laughs> I, I, literally, I saw it on Twitter. I was in the car going to the airport and I saw the, your tweet and I was like, did I? Did I like tell anyone like, that, am I going to get into trouble or something like this? But like, but uh, it was just funny just it, that everyone on Twitter was kind of just like hashtag Johnny sources and not the, most, <laughs> the funniest thing. So I got a kick out of that. But um, yeah, like last year, the first week of August, I got put on the development list when I was in double A. And so I was like, damn, this, this kind of sucks. Like, and so the development list is like, you don't play, you're kind of, you're on the roster, but you just, you just sit the whole week. And so at that point, I was like, damn, this this year is kind of washed. But then after I got put off of that, I kind of just went on like a hitting spree. I was I was batting like 230 in double A, and then I got it up to like 290 within like um, three weeks. Like I was hitting really well. Then I got promoted to triple A. I did all right there in the beginning. 
And then it wasn't really until this year when I was batting like 270 where I'm like, okay, this is, this is possible because I wasn't on the 40 man at the time. So it, it's kind of tough to get called up when you're not on the 40 man. Yeah. And so, you know, it wasn't really until this year where I was like, okay, in the back of my mind, this could really happen. I just got to keep going and keep swinging and keep trusting what I'm doing right now. And hopefully it'll pay off. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's an insane story, obviously, like everyone knows and stuff like that. But when you let, let's talk about the call up. So obviously I broke it the day of, but I'm actually retired because uh, uh, someone texted me in the organization and uh, it, it's a player. And he said, you're breaking this way too early where players just don't know if they're getting sent down. Like they don't have any of that stuff. So I kind of felt bad. Obviously, that's not my intentions. I'm a, like nothing I say is should be taken serious. I'm just a joke. Like I just joke online. <laughs> But yeah. that kind of put it into reality for me. So I was like, I'm done. I'm retired 4-0. I broke the da- uh, the Hagen Danner one. I broke the Horowitz one. I broke the year one. And that's it for me. 4-0. That's it. But that's I, need, I, I need to go into, like, the call-up. Because obviously it's an emotional moment, especially as a 20th rounder. Like you said, you're, from, you're a blue-collared guy. I'm assuming your family's blue-collared. Um, and you get the called up to the major leagues, man. I mean, what was the moment like? How did you find out? Did they kind of screw around with you when they told you you were getting called up? Like, what how, what, what happened here? Yeah, so we were in Lehigh. We were on the road. And we were hitting in the cage. Me and Spencer Horowitz were hitting the cage with a hitting coach, Matt Haig. Like any other day, we're just getting our work in early. And um, our manager, Casey, comes in, um, and he wants to talk to Haig. He, was, he said um, that we're going to get another outfielder. Like, uh, and so we, we needed to change the lineup a little bit. So Haig like left and then I was kind of done hitting. So I kind of was walking out with Haig at the time. And then he was going into Casey's office and Haig was just, Oh, just come with me. It's like, we'll figure out if you're going to play outfield today. Cause we we're getting another player or something like that. And then, so I sat down and then Casey was like, uh, before we talk about, you know, the lineup today, I, I need to ask you something. Um, so one of the, one of the front office people called me and, um, and he said like a little spiel. I'll keep it between me and him because it yeah, was yeah. kind of like a little personal. But um, the way he said it, it was just like very. I was like, I was kind of nervous because he <laughs> he said something to me. I was like really nervous about it, and I didn't really think about anything about the call ups or anything like that because like you don't. There was really kind of no rumors going up from you know the big leagues or anything like that. Like no one, nothing happened because it was the trade deadline and nothing really yeah. happened anyway. Besides, we got Paul. But um, and then he told me, and then I was like, "Are you effing kidding me? Like don't don't be lying to me." <laughs> And then he was like, nope. And then me and uh, Hey kind of like teared up a little bit. We kind of hugged. And then I called my parents right away. And they were about to come watch me play because Lehigh is kind of close to where I'm, where I'm from. And I called them. They started crying, obviously. You know, my parents are very emotional. And then, I, and then one of the guys got me. I was like, dude, you got to go to the airport right now. You're, your flight's in like three hours. And that Whoa. airport's like an hour and a half. So like it happened pretty quick. So I only called my parents. Then my parents kind of called everyone in town and everyone I knew I was getting texts right away. And I'm like, wow, this is my phone was blowing up like 20 minutes after I, I found out. So it was pretty cool to kind of share it with, with my parents first. But um, they kind of took it harder than me, you know. I mean, I, I teared up a little bit, but they were falling their eyes out. <laughs> it's, just, it's crazy, man. I mean, I, I look at it all the time like uh, just from a parent's perspective, you like you you raise someone, you know, and next thing you know, they're playing in front of 55,000 or 50,000 people at the Rogers Center, 18 or 24 years later. It's a, it's hard to comprehend for a normal human being like me, like a, my dumb brain. That's all I'm really thinking about, just playing in front of 45,000 people. But it really yeah. is. It's, it's absolutely absurd. But the craziest part about this entire story about you is that you wanted to quit at one point. 
And I've been there before. Actually, I did do it. After two years of junior college, I just said, I'm fucking, I'm done with baseball. How hard was that for you to kind of talk, like talk yourself into quitting and then reverse it and just stay with, stick with it. Like how hard was that for you to like, to make that transition of mindsets? Yeah. So during COVID, like it was, we had that year off and, um, I dealt with like some family stuff. My, my brother passed away during COVID. So like, that was kind of tough on me yeah. and my family at the time. And so like, like having that happen throughout everything and then have to go play a season. And then once I got to our affiliate on high in Vancouver, I was playing like once a week. And when really? I did play, yeah, I was, I was literally playing once a week. It was, we played six games a week. I played one time every week. And at that point, it sucked going to the field every day, knowing you're not in the lineup, you just having to sit on the bench and just kind of just wear it until you're going to be in the lineup. And then whenever I got in, into playing, I kind of, I didn't start out too hot. So like I went, I would have an O for game and then I would have to wait six more days or seven wow. more days before I had to play again, which kind of sucked at the time. And then I was batting like a hundred through June. Like it was, I think it was June. And I was, I texted one of my buddies, Dom Ebedesa, you know him. Yeah. yeah. And, and um, it's like, dude, I'm done. Cause he got released that spring training. And um, you know, he's like a good friend of mine. So I just texted him. I was like, I think I'm going to be done with it. Just kind of hang it up because I'm only playing once a week. I'm doing terrible. And he just kind of just texted me and was like, dude, if I was there, I would be all over it. Even if I was playing, a pinch runner in the game or something like that. I would would be loving it every single minute. So that kind of put in perspective for me. And he told me just to stick it out. And I did. And I ended up kind of hitting, hitting a little bit better once I got in and I started playing about two or three times a week at the end of the year. And then that turned in like four times a week by the time the year ended. But you know, that year was kind of tough, but I kind of salvaged it at the end, which was really good looking back at it. But during it, I was like, this is miserable. I want to go home. I'm on the West Coast and my family, I can't see my family. And it was just a bad couple of months. But, you know, I'm glad I stuck it out, obviously. And, you know, I'm kind of grateful for that time because you look back at it and it, you're, uh, you put it in all perspective just because, like, that was, like, the worst in my baseball career. But it ended up being a good thing for me, you know. Well, the thing is, and what makes it so interesting is like you see this and this is just the politics of baseball, right? I mean, you're a 28th rounder, not much invested into you. You're not like a massive asset for them at that time. They're going to give the first rounders, the second rounders, all those type of reps. Uh, How like have you tried to talk around the clubhouse with your story? And like, is it hard for guys like Vladdy or Bo or all these massive names to like comprehend and understand that you like where you came from or any any of that? Like have any of the players on the team? kind of gravitated to your story or asked you about your story or anything along those lines? Um, Not really. I mean, I, I remember in spring training, we had kind of like had a meeting with some of the big league guys like Witt, Vladdy, and Bo kind of all talked to us. And Witt was kind of like not in the same boat as me, but he was kind of like a later round draft pick. He kind of had to work his way up through the organization. He wasn't the top guy. So that kind of kind of gravitated towards me when he told me that story. But like no one really – once you're there, they're kind of just focusing on winning. They don't same, really care. Yeah. yeah, they're all the same. They don't care where you come from. The number one goal is to win every single game and what you got to do to help the team win. So, like, at first it was – they were like, you know, it's a cool story and everything, but once it's time to try, try and uh, go out there and win, then, you know, they don't really care. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Before we go into the run that you're on right now, I got to ask you this question because I – like I said on other podcast I had – I always love to ask this to the big leaguers. What is the biggest difference for you off the field from the minors to the show? Tyler Glass now said it's the water pressure. 
Tyler Matzik said it's just always having access to hoodies, t-shirt, like whatever you want. It just it's in your it's in your it's in your uh, locker when you get to the field, like anything. Someone, a lot of people say it's the meals, like what, like the hotels, like what is the biggest difference from you, especially as a blue collared guy from like the minor leagues to living lavish in the show? I mean, it's definitely all of the things you just said for sure. <laughs> but um, the number one thing for me is happened the other day. Um, I'm like running low on bats and um, I, I got, I get through bats. I get bats through my agent and everything like that, but you can get bats through the blue Jays too. And um and I'm like, I'm always afraid to like ask for stuff. And uh, Nathan Lucas was like, dude, just go ask for bats. Like they don't care. Like it's free. And so I just asked for bats and then like I needed some lizard skins too. And like, can I get lizard skins too? And they're like, yeah, you don't have to ask. Just like, just don't, don't be shy. Like just give, like, this is our job. Like you, we'll give it to you. Like, it's not that big a deal. And can I just like hate asking people for like stuff or st- people to do stuff for me? But that's like the coolest thing about it is that like, there's always a person for something up here. Like, if you need something, just ask, and they don't really care at all like that. So, like, that's probably the biggest thing. Also, the food is – there's food everywhere, like snacks. There's, <laughs> like, three meals that, like – the food is unbelievable. It's it's wild. It's, like, I, yeah. I still can't comprehend it. Like, for example, I when I went to go fi- to go to Philly to see – like, to visit Bryson Stott and the, those guys down there, I went into the family room. And even the family room is like, what, where the fuck am I? It's just a shit ton of just like insane food, whatever you want, beers, everything. It's, it's absurd. Like just how different it is. I I went to go visit, I visited Bryson at every single level. So I got to see like the come up of like the family section, all that type of stuff. It's just absurd. Did your family notice that too, as well? Like even getting to experience like the family, like the family stuff or going down onto the locker room and all that type of stuff. Like, what what's been your family's reaction from like the off field stuff? Um, it's pretty cool. My sisters have been like just all over Instagram and social media. How now? How like the fans kind of like are dressing up like me? They think that's like the coolest thing ever. Like they're <laughs> wearing the glasses. And I'm telling that, you, man. So. I think it was your sisters that DM'd us because they tried to order our shirts, and I'm like, yeah, I think it fam- was it a family member of the Schneiders is not going to pay for a, a Gate 14 <laughs> Schneider shirt. Are you kidding me? So yeah, we'll get you that going a little bit down. We'll, we'll, once yeah, we'll, I'll order you a decent amount. You just tell me the sizes, and we'll get those for you yeah. and the fam. But it is, dude. I've never seen anything like this. Like I really, I really, as I've obviously I've rooted the Jays my entire life. I haven't seen a come up like this before. So let's go into the first game for you. First at bat, Fenway Park, the most histor- one of the most historic stadiums in maybe North America, right? That and Wrigley Field. You come up and you just launch a middle in fastball over the left field fence like it was nothing. Was that obviously it was an out of body experience for you? But what was your approach going into the bat? Were you just saying I better hit this fucking base? Like what was going into that? Because it's it's an insane thing to do, especially as your first at bat. Yeah, so the good thing about it was that I faced Paxton about, like, five times before when he was rehabbing earlier in the year. And so, like, having the familiarity of kind of facing a guy you already know in the big leagues is kind of pretty huge because, like, you already kind of know what he's going to throw and his, his velo and everything like that. So going into that was kind of pretty big for me. But um, he threw a lot of fastballs the last time I faced him, and he's a kind of a fastball pitcher. Yeah. And ironically enough, he hung a slider, and I hit it out. But, like, I was looking fastball out over the plate and ended up hitting a slider. And it's one of those swings where you don't even remember you swung. It was just like everything was just perfect at the perfect time. And I swung and I knew I hit it really good. But, I mean, I kind of had to look at it and just make sure it go over the fence. And it was just the, the best thing about the homer and everything was 
just seeing everyone up on their feet in the in the dugout. I see like Kiermaier. I have chills watching that still, man. It like seeing those guys from when I was around in second was the coolest thing ever. Because you know, I looked up to those guys. You watch those guys on TV growing up, like Kiermaier playing in the playoffs, Blatty, you know, all these guys, and it's cool being on the same field and then cheering you on at the same time. It's, it was the coolest thing, and I just it still hasn't really sunk in for me personally yet, just because you know you're here with them, and I think until after the season's done, where it's really going to hit me, and I can look back at it and be like, damn, that was pretty cool. Yeah, and I'll give you a little piece of I'm not Johnny advice guy. I'm just name dropping here. So I, I had, <laughs> like I said, I had, I had Edwin Jackson, who's all obviously a grizzled vet, obviously massive, yeah. massive grizzled vet on the podcast. And I asked him like, what's one thing you would give a piece of advice for to the younger guys? And he said when he was at like your stage in the career, like early in the career, he wishes that he took more steps back, like take a step back and understand where he is, like kind of appreciate where he's at and like just. He said he used to always, before every start, just look around the stadium and just be like, I- I'm here. You know, like, I know uh, it might not be a good approach for some people, but for some people it is, especially a guy where, where you came from and all that type of stuff. But, yeah, that's what Edwin Jackson told me is he wished he did that a little bit more when he was younger and uh, just kind of looked around and just, like, realized, like, man, I'm fucking here. You know, like, I'm so- and obviously that I'm supposed to be here, right? Like, that's the biggest thing is, is obviously, like you said, you look up to all these guys on your team and stuff like that. But I think what separates you is, is, you have the mindset where you're like, I'm supposed to be here, right? Like, is that something that yeah. you've kind of, uh, the way you've kind of approached it so far? Um, For sure. I mean, I always thought I was talented enough and capable of getting here, but you never really know that until it happens. And then once you're here, it just feels like, you know, you're just part of the team now and like you deserve to be here. And so I just, you know, you got to keep performing obviously and keep, you know, putting a good numbers and everything will take care of itself. But like, I always thought I should have, should be here and, and like I said, I was very capable of getting here. But, you know, uh, Witt told me, to, like what you said about Edwin Jackson, that like look around, go out like in the sixth inning, kind of look around. And I did that before the game too, before my first start. And I, I just, you know, the ner- I was so nervous and I you know butterflies in my stomach. I didn't, you know, what to expect because everything leading up before that was more nerve wracking than the actual game, in my opinion, yeah. like the media and just like the pressure and just like kind of the anxiety leading up to the game. But once you step foot on the field, I mean, it kind of take care of itself. Playing uh, the other day in the Rogers Center during the Bautista ceremony, that whole game, like there was a 43,000 fans there. But you, you not saying I got used to it, but, you know, once you're like in the game and you're kind of focused and locked in, it doesn't feel like that as though there's many people out there than you really think, you know, because yeah. you're just out, out there on the field and, kind of just trying to do your job at that point for sure and this is one thing that i would say on the podcast because obviously all of our listeners want to buy your jersey and stuff like that and i'm telling them to hold off we got to talk about the number man i know you're gonna say oh i'll take any number in the show whatever it is what are we doing here with 36 we is that gonna get switched up like that has to right like what what are we thinking here with the number three six that's the thing people ask me that and i'm like it's my first number in the major league so like i have to stick with it right like i don't like, number, I don't really care. I mean, like, obviously, I had a number growing up. I wore number seven my whole life and everything like that. But numbers and everything, like, I could really care less. But, like, 36, it's not a bad number. It could have been worse. could have been, like, 82 or <laughs> 71 or something like that. At least I got, like, a low lowest number to where yeah, yeah, okay, it's close sure. to 34 or 44 or something like that. So, like, if you look at it like that, then it's like, all right, not bad. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Going into the uh... – like the trainer stuff and all that type of stuff. 
what was the, like the the training staff like when they saw you roll in with that glove you're rocking? I mean, obviously the story blew through social media and all that type of stuff. And I kind of made an excuse for you on the podcast because obviously when you're like a big time prospect, you're part of big time agency, all that type of stuff. You just get a shit ton of gloves sent to you. So I said, Schneider, there's just no way he just had a shit ton of like pro preferred sent to him on his doorstep in the minors. So he's rocking with the old stuff. But how like what's the deal here with this glove? Are we ever going to, are you going to go full Troy Tulowitzki mode with this thing and just wear it for, until you're dead? Or like, where are we going at? That's the thing. I get a lot of hate on it. Not hate, but just like, why don't you just use a new glove? I'm like, why do I need a new glove every single year? I'm like, why do people need like new stuff? Like, why can't this work every single time? And I, that's how I break in gloves anyway. I like the floppy look. I like how it kind of closes like on the pinky or on the pointer finger and the thumb. So I'm like, I don't really need anything else. Yeah, I have a backup glove, but like, I don't need new stuff or anything like that. I mean, if it works, it works. That's that's the way I look at it. You know? That's why that just the people are relating to you like crazy, man. I mean, I don't know what your social media has been like. I don't know if you're really heavily involved on Instagram and stuff like that. But uh, it, it, I'm assuming it's just been absurd. Right? Like, do you just not? Are you just not signed into like Twitter and Instagram? I I, I can't even imagine what your social media is like has been like the DMS, the uh, insane amount of support, all that type of stuff. Like how wild has it been? It's been pretty nuts. I deleted Twitter. Like, a, like I have it on like my Safari, but I deleted the app on my phone. I sign in once in a while, but like Twitter, I don't really Let me control. I asked that to Danny Jansen. I wanted to control Danny Jansen's uh, Twitter. He said, <laughs> fuck no. But no. <laughs> you need, yeah, you I, don't, Twitter, I don't remember the last time I even tweeted a tweet. Obviously, <laughs> I like stuff and retweet stuff, but like me personally, I don't remember the last time I actually tweeted something. <laughs> and, um, but like Instagram, I mean, I go on Instagram, you know, throughout the day, but like it's been, so I've had like 3,000 followers. Now I have like 14 something. So, like, the followers have definitely jumped up. And, you know, it's, it's kind of overwhelming at times, like I said, but it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Cause you being like a guy, like, I mean, you walking on the street and stuff like that. Has that been the biggest adjustment? Like not even playing in the major leagues has, has been like the, just the insane amount of recognition you get wherever you go been the hardest adjustment for you. Cause obviously, like you said, like last year, this time, if you're walking, you could have sat wherever and you could like never get bothered. Now I'm assuming if you're at a restaurant or I had people tweet, like DM us that, Oh, David Schneider's at this restaurant. I'm out right now. I don't want to ask him for a picture. Like how crazy <laughs> has that been for you? It's been pretty, pretty crazy. I mean, I, like I said, I'm not a guy who, you know, likes attention or stuff like that. And then yeah. I was walking out of the stadium the other day and, there was just like 30 or 40 people just coming up to me asking for autographs and pictures, which I'm fine with, like no big deal. Like, but like at some point we're like, all right, I got to go. And I hate like, <laughs> saying no to people. You know what I mean? Like I hate saying, like, Oh, I got to go. And like missing and a fan gets upset or something like that. But like that part has kind of been a little bit more than I expected. Cause like, you know, everything happens so fast. Last a week and a half ago, I was in Lehigh Valley playing against the Phillies. And so like, having that aspect like the fame aspect and people just come up to me it was it's kind of it's cool at some at some point but um you know there's to an extent where okay it's kind of a not annoying but just like right, i need to go or got to get somewhere else you that know makes sense. I mean? have you had a uh moment where you kind of not 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 went full fanboy but you were facing someone or you were like in the box against someone on the mound where you're like i holy shit this is so and so on the mound or holy shit this is whatever at the plate like have you had a moment like that yet um not yet i think when we play the phillies this week because i grew up a phillies fan oh really okay yeah so probably when we either play against harper or 
Stott or not Harper is probably the number one because like he's like Philly he's like a Philly god yeah. and so um that's going to be pretty cool playing against them and everything like that so but I mean the number one guy that I would definitely fanboy would probably be Trout I mean he's from Jersey he's <laughs> yes. been like 25 minutes for me he's he was my favorite player growing up he um he's kind of like why I wore 27 in AAA this year but um He's like my number one guy on the list. If I could ever play against him, I would definitely ask for an autograph for sure. Oh, so you so you're to, so you do that? You, you'll like you'll ask the clubby to get you an autograph from uh, that other. I mean, if it's if it's Trout, I would. I would ask okay. him personally. I'd be like, because yeah, because Bryson has an autograph collection just full of like uh like Miggy, all these legends that he's faced and stuff like that. So you would catch yourself doing that if it's like a like a Hall of Fame type of guy, like a Miguel Cabrera, maybe, or it's or just or is it just Mike Trout or Bust for you? It would probably just be Trout. I mean, I, I don't want to bother like anyone else, but Trout's from my home state. He lives, like I said, like 25 minutes from me. So I grew up kind of idolizing him. So that would be pretty cool to kind of try to get something from him. Who's the hardest pitcher you faced so far in your career? You faced, I mean, you have faced some hard guys, man. I mean, obviously, and you're at bats, by the way. We call Brandon Belt the cock on this podcast. You kind of, I mean, I posted a picture of Brandon Belt and you, but like, uh, it was Donaldson and Bautista together on the field together. That's what you guys are like. You just work every count. You get deep in every single count. And you're kind of like a motherfucker to play against, bro. It just, yeah. it, it's hard to get you out. So who's like the hardest pitcher you face so far where he's like, this guy has me red? Um, I mean, I haven't faced like too many guys yet. But um, the walk, I guess, I guess uh, Merriweather the other day, he was pretty good. I ended up walking, obviously, but. His stuff was pretty good. I mean, I sorted twice against him the first two pitches. I mean, he kind of threw two sliders down down in the dirt, and I kind of just whiffed at him. But um, probably Merriweather so far. I mean, he throws 98-99 with a 91-hour slider and a good changeup. So, like, his stuff is pretty good. Yeah, he's he's insane. I mean, he's a former yeah. – did you ever cross – did you ever cross paths with him? Yeah, I mean, he was with the Jays. He would rehab when we were, like, an extended in, like, I think 19 – so, like, I got to play on the same field as him, which was cool. And so, I don't know if he remembers me or not. I doubt it. But, um, yeah, we played on the same team together. Not officially, but, like, an extended in spring training we did. So, what's, like, the – what's that clubhouse dynamic like? I mean, all the guys say it's, like, the best – like, Bassett even said on the podcast, it's, like, just the best locker room, the best group of guys he's ever played with and stuff like that. What's it been like for you as, like, that new guy? I know Bassett told a funny story of Brandon Belt walks up to rookies and says, like, you know you're not going to be here for a long time, right? <laughs> Did you have that interaction with Brandon? Or, like, well, what's it been like? No, he didn't do that to me, thankfully. I would have probably <laughs> shit my pants if he said that to me. But um, it, these these guys are awesome. I mean, they're very energetic. They want to win. Um, they like to have fun. I mean, like, they're just a great group of guys to be around. Like, they don't, the turn, they don't really big league people, you know what I mean? Like, I'm the, like the rookie and the new guy, but they really haven't really kind of like, you know, made me feel like I wasn't part of the team or anything like that, which is great because, you know, you hear things from like different teams or like, you know, hazing or stuff like that, but they haven't done that with me, which is, I'm really, really grateful for that. I mean, they could have, and I wouldn't have cared. I would be like, Oh, I'm the rookie. I'm part of it, but they've been great to be around. They're awesome. They're nice. You know, like, like I said, they like to have fun and, you know, and the number one thing they they want to win, like that's the biggest thing. And, you don't really fans don't really get to see that like outside, but they're very competitive, like, and they really get into like their work and everything like that. So, yeah, yeah. no, it's crazy. I mean, and also like another thing, who's one guy you've kind of gravitated towards or one guy that's not taking you under your wing, but like a veteran guy, though, that's a two part question, I guess. 
like who's a veteran guy also that has like kind of helped you out or just kind of made it easier for you so far in the show that kind that relates to you or just gave you some good knowledge or good tips? I mean, everyone really. I mean, like Bassett has been talking to me like on the bench and like I've been asking like kind of picking his brain on like, you know, his experience with the Mets and A's and just pro ball in general. So that was cool to kind of hear mm. from that from him. He's a really good guy. And, you know, everyone is kind of really Jano, Wit. KK, I mean, every, 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 literally every single guy. I mean, you pick the, they love to talk. They kind of, they kind of make me feel like, all right, you can ask me anything and I won't get annoyed. You're part of the team. Like, you know what I mean? So, I mean, but probably Witt or Bassett, you know, I kind of really, I kind of like just, you know, they kind of put me under their wing a little bit and just made me feel like I was part of the team, like pretty early on. So, which was pretty cool to see. So, what's the, uh, so obviously, I mean, we're talking about the clubhouse music with Bassett. We were talking about Matty Chapsticks running it. Um, <laughs> what, what's are are you big on the music there? Like, what, where are we at with this? Like, are are you running it or are you are you having a good time? Like, do you like the music that Matt Matt Chapman's been playing? I'm not trying to get you in trouble here, but like, are, are you a big like house music type of guy? No, I like it. That's a, I literally said that yesterday at three one, and even before that, I'm like, whoever's on Ox is pretty good. I didn't even know uh, Chapman <laughs> even ran the Ox, so. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna to tell him that he's doing a good job, but um, he plays a variety of different types of music, which is good because I'm I don't really stick with the one genre or anything like that. So he kind of mixes it up and plays Latin music sometimes, plays American house music, EDM, whatever country, and so he kind of makes it feel like everyone's part of the whole music music taste, which That's is good because we have all yeah we have all different types of music goers on this team. So that's absolutely electric. Yeah. That is absolutely yeah. electric. I Ch- Chapman just seems like the best dude ever, man. I mean, he is just, and a couple guys have said this, like they, Ernie actually said this where he watches him like field like ground balls and like practice stuff like that. And they're just like, this guy is insane. Have you got to like watch him or just try to mimic some of the stuff that he does? Because he, it is absurd. I mean, we're talking a platinum glove, a platinum glove third baseman here. So is does it all does it also put you in shock just watching like Matty Chapsticks just field ground balls and just lace them across the diamond? He makes it look so easy that it's like, <laughs> why can't everyone do this? You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's that easy to him. But he works his ass off. That's what people don't really kind of like understand is that he puts in the work and it pays off on the field. And so, but looking at him field, I I, I take stuff from him like what he does with his hands and his footwork and everything like that, which is good for me because you know I could. I can take all the help I can get, but um, yeah, it's cool to see just like a guy who had crazy success in the major leagues fielding wise and look at what he does pregame and like what he does on the field. It's, it's cool to take stuff from him and kind of put it into my work as well. What you position know? do you prefer personally? Like, are you more comfortable with, and I know obviously, I don't know if that that's even a good question, but is there a position out there that you truly feel like a hundred percent more comfortable in, or you just feel like more at home with? Definitely second, because it's where I played most of the time this year. I played a little bit. I played a lot of left this year, but, I mean, I'm not a true outfitter. I mean, I'm an infielder playing outfield, but, I mean, I've gotten really comfortable out there. So, I'm not saying I'm not comfortable, but second base is where I like to be. Have you had any fuck-ups, though? Have you had any fuck-ups in left field, like, just even from, like, learning it? Like, even in the minors where you just misread a pop-up or go back on an in-pop-up or anything like that? Um, Not this year, but there was one time (laughs) last year early on I literally lost it in the lights and I literally just dropped it, hit my glove and I felt like, damn. And so that kind of <laughs> messed with my head a little bit. And then a couple games later, I was playing left again 
and me and my center fielder, Garrett Spain at the time, we were like kind of going in together to catch a fly ball and it was my ball, but I never called for it. And I just said, you, 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 take it, take it, take it. Because I was just afraid <laughs> to drop it again. But like, obviously now I'm perfectly fine out there, but that was just like a couple of times where I'm like, damn, this is, this is going to be tough. And I'm going to have to practice a lot more to get better at it. Yeah. But this, sure. this year it's been, it's been good out there. I mean, I feel comfortable. I feel like, um, I feel like I'm an outfielder at now. You know what I mean? Just because I got a lot more reps and it's a lot easier to kind of just read balls just because you're used to it. Yeah. You, I, I didn't really get that many reps last year in the beginning of the year, but now it's kind of, it's my second home basically. Yeah. And this is the second last thing that I want to talk about here. So I'm a David Schneider guy. Obviously I know, I understand the marketing, all that type of stuff. I'm you're wearing a Fleetwood Mac shirt. I say <laughs> one game, you just run it, go this, go landslide for your walk-up song. I mean, you want to talk about getting the people going that like, if you want to get the crowd going, just you right at the start was I took my love that like that part would go bananas out of sold out Rogers center. Just think about it. I, 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 I do that for sure. I, now that you say that I'll probably do it, but like, I didn't write down my walk-up song for the, the day, the other day or the game the other day, but it was my walk-up song in AAA for a couple of days. And, but I switched it back to my other one. But they just use that one for some reason. But I think I'm going to switch it. And now that you say landslide, I'll listen. I'll be in the building tomorrow. If you're playing tomorrow, the next day, I'll be at both games, obviously, visiting my guy. I need to hear landslide. I mean, it would be, and all of our listeners will post it. It'll get the people going. That would go absolutely nuts on the speakers, dude. Absolutely nuts. So let's just, something to think about, man. I just, uh, you got to get the people going. Now that you say it, it's actually a pretty good idea. So I'm going to put it, I'm going to put it in my notes and I'm going to, Write it down, and then hopefully they use it tomorrow if I'm in. So we'll see. Love to see that. Love to see that. So the last thing I want to go into, obviously going into the rest, the later part of the year, all that type of stuff, games are starting to mean more. I mean, you're in a big playoff race here, all that type of stuff. What is the expectations for you for the rest of the year? Like, do you set goals or do you just – is your goal just I want to compete every single day, keep on mustering good at-bats? I mean, you're on the loose, man. I just – your at-bats are fun to watch. Like I said, you and Brandon Belt are just – Brandon Belt, every single count he's in is 3-2. It's, it's like the most yeah. absurd thing I've ever seen. So, like, what's some of the goals that you have for the remainder, remainder of the season? Yeah, probably just compete every day. I mean, you, every don't take a day for granted, you know. The next day I could be – uh, sent down the AAA or whatever, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta make sure that you go in there and do what you do or um, just take advantage of what you have today and just kind of run with it because, you know, uh, the next day isn't guaranteed. So like, you just gotta make sure you're just putting in the work hundred percent. And there's, cause you don't want any regrets in this game. Cause if you look back and regret something you did or didn't do, then you're kind of going to want to, you're just going to regret it for the rest of your life basically. So like just put in the work and, Hopefully it pays off. You know, that's all you can really ask for. Yeah. Well, that, where you have it, man. I mean, uh, we'll be in Cincy this weekend. Uh, me and Avery oh, awesome. and a couple of my buddies will be driving down for there. So I'll, I'll be, I'm pumped to see you, man. Uh, keep doing your thing, man. It's been surreal. Like I said, I, I, uh, like I said, I've been a fan of this team my entire life. I haven't seen a intro like this. I haven't seen a run like this. Obviously they haven't seen it in baseball. I mean, you broke a record for, for a reason for it. So keep doing your thing, man. Keep swinging it. And, uh, you know, you have gate 14 nation on your side, you know, you have all of our fans on your side. So, uh, appreciate you coming on this man. Long time coming. I'm excited for you and, uh, let's have ourselves a fucking rest of the season. Huh? Why not? Why not us? Dude. Exactly. Thanks, man. I appreciate having me on. That was fun. All right. There you have it, folks. That was the interview with, uh, David Schneider. 
Avery, you haven't listened to it yet, right? So you, you don't have a gauge on it? No, I'm going to listen to it with the people tomorrow when I put it out by myself. I could have listened to it before and Man really integrity into it as well. But I want to I want to be commenting on the YouTube like the people should be doing after they listen to it as well. It but really you, was. It was fun. It was a fun pod. You had nothing but good things to say about him. Um, so I decided to listen to it again. Again, thank you to Dave Schneider for coming on. Yep. Gate 14. Gate 14 guy forever now. Forever. Till I'm sick. I listen. I know. I, I listen. He gave me enough happiness in a weekend that can last at me till the end of the year. I'll always ruin for that guy. He was texting me after all that type of stuff. So uh, just the salt of the earth guy. We were cracking jokes, just shooting texts. So uh, I'm excited for people to listen to it. Uh, or I'm, they already did listen to it. Sorry. That was dumb for me to say. But I hope you guys enjoyed it. And I hope it gave you a little bit of a different perspective, a different outlook on uh, the legend of Davis Schneider. Uh, it was awesome. So let's cut it to the uh, let's, let's, let's get into the talk here, Ave. I mean, Bryson was in town. Uh, went out for breakfast with him on Tuesday, and I'll tell you a funny story. So uh, I told Bryson via text before I saw him. I said, um, "Don't like if you think you're paying for breakfast, you got another thing coming." And then he just responded, "Shut the fuck up." So uh, we get to breakfast and uh, we order our stuff, and I go up to the waitress. I, I I pretend I'm getting a phone call to Bryson. So I'm forgetting. I'm pretending. I pretend I get a phone call. So I walk up. And I just go to the waitress. I'm like, here's my card. Like, just pay for the whatever. Like, just pay for this. Um, pay for the breakfast. She's like, oh, okay. Like, kind of weird, but all right. So then I go back to Bryson. I'm like, want to know, Alfred? He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, I just paid for the breakfast. He's like, you motherfucker. But whatever. So yeah, I just offered him from there. And uh, you got to meet him for the first time in person. What were your thoughts on Bryson? Second time. We met on the field before. Oh, okay. Uh, yes, yes, yes. You did. Yeah. Um, not after we had played COD together, but he's he's a good guy, funny guy, actually. Accent. He doesn't sound like a Vegas accent. It's more of a. I think he has more of like a Southern accent. Actually. Yeah, his family's from Louisiana. There you go. There yeah. it is. Um, no, he's he's a good, funny guy. Um, and just having a hell of a year. Would love for it to be in a Blue Jays uniform, but you can't always get what you want, right, Johnny? I remember uh, actually uh, on draft day. When the Jay the Jays were two picks ahead, he actually kind of thought he might have been going there. So when they said Alec Manoa, I just remember I made a scene in that room. I just threw my hat. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> fuck. And everyone was like laughing and shit like that. It was a little bit of uh what's that word? Comic relief. I gave him a little comic relief, the family. But anyways, he obviously went to Philly. Great situation for him, great scenario. He's playing with one of his best friends, Bryce Harper. Um, but yeah, he's just a great dude, man. I mean, and we talked about this when we were walking back to Altos. Um, he's just the, on like the different spectrum of of uh, like a lifestyle of like what we're at. He's 26, obviously a millionaire, multiple cars, fiance, has a kid on the way, and then there's me and you and Alto, <laughs> just just there, just vibing. But we, he's, but, he's a 97, right? Like, yeah, he's a 97. Yeah, that is he's crazy. Just what people are dealing with at different points of their lives. But it, you make sense. Like all the guys on the team have, you said they're like 10 people having kids right now. So it's just, they're in the groove, I guess. of the Philadelphia Phillies just having kids. Yeah. Like he's, yeah. He said they had a baby shower a couple of weeks ago and uh, everyone was just pregnant. there. <laughs> it was like, whose baby showers is it's like, everyone is pregnant. So that is funny. Um, but yeah. And also like just, the vibe for that, like, and he even mentioned this too. It's like, 
when every single person on your team is like married with kids, it's not, I'm not saying he had FOMO, but I'm just saying you kind of feel like left out where you're like, everyone's like spending time with their kids. Like not a lot of people are going out. There's not many single people on the team. So it's like, it's just like, you're a product of your environment where everyone's obviously that type of stuff. That was really smart by me to actually bring that up. That was uh credit to me for mentioning product of environment, but yeah, no, he's, he's the best man. And, uh, it's awesome to see him have success. I know he's a baller. Obviously, if you look at his Las Vegas stats, UNLV stats, they're absolutely fucking absurd. So uh, it was good to see him, man. It was good to see him. Obviously, I've been boys with him for like seven seven years now, I want to say. So um, it's just surreal to see a guy like that just absolutely rake and see Bryson Stott jerseys when I go to Citizens Bank when we're at the Rogers Center. It'll never not be weird. So uh, rock yeah, star. It was nice for, it's nice for him to have a good year this year because Joe Girardi kind of – like to fuck up his year last year. Yes. Pretty much what he pretty did. much what John Schneider does with the rookies on this team. That's that's pretty much the same thing. Uh it is wild. But another thing, everyone's tweeting at me, by the way. Uh they want Johnny Juntum a cook jerseys. I would die for one. Like I, I actually want to reach out to my old coach and be like, John, name a price. I don't give a fuck. I want him a cook jersey bad. Like, real bad. I would die for a McCook jersey because those jerseys is just like, I would love to have it behind me. Like, just like the sick McCook jerseys. Obviously, you with a Newman jersey or I guess Laurentian, but Laurentian would kind of suck. Newman, the Newman jerseys kind of rule. But uh, I need the McCook jersey. And I do have a McCook camo hot upstairs. Maybe if we do a gate 14 auction, um, I we can get that going. I have a Newman hat as well. I think if we get like a studio ever, those two jerseys need to be hanging up. Like we need. Yes, that's what has to happen. They need. Did you guys have like that. camo T-shirts for jerseys? No, we never had camo. Not when I was there. Our our jerseys are our away jer our our home jerseys were like blue camo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. it was like black and it was like dark blue and light blue camo. Those jerseys fucking rocked. Um, but yeah, I'd love to get one, John Olson, if you're listening or. I know there's a couple of McCook guys in this uh, that are listeners of this podcast. You can finagle uh, my guy J.O. for a uh, McCook June to 23 jersey, but there's no last name on the back. I'll, I'll, I'm not going to get greedy. Just give me June to 23. Just give me 23, <laughs> I, sorry. Just give me 23. Yeah. Um, would he ever come on the pod? I think he would. I think he has or loosened would, up enough. Where or he would has an multiple- assistant coach be better to get on? No, my, my, because the, I never had an assistant coach there for two years. It was only one year and one year. So uh, in the second year, we didn't really have an assistant coach. It was just John. Like, it was just our coach there. And then, like, just, like, the student helper that was, like, a, a worked in the dorms. But uh, I would love to get John Olson on the podcast. Maybe in the offseason we'll do it. In the <laughs> we'll, So get, give some content out. Just hear some stories about what it was like with me playing for him. Because I'm sure he has a decent amount of stories I think I don't I even get, remember. I could get my coach to come on as well well I think- yeah that'll, that'll, that'll be a funny content piece for like the off season just like obviously not now with the playoff push the jays are going through but definitely in the off season that would be funny i would actually love to do a vlog and if we start getting more sponsors stuff like that on the show um i'd love someone to sponsor us to go back to like just to meet like to do a vlog at mccook <laughs> that would be that would be fucking sick i just so i'm going back to wichita for the first time okay. in september yeah if you think i'm not going to that field taking a pick the house that avery built you're fucking you're crazy i so. really i promise i never go back to mccook because i was miserable there <laughs> but i've talked myself into it maybe maybe i should maybe i should go back to mccook and just like 
just get a feel for what it was like, man. Well, I, I need mean, to just, ask why they haven't changed their name yet. Well, I mean, it's in the Midwest. You think, you think they're you think they're the politically correct boys down no. there? Avery? No, I don't think no they are. At all. They would never change that. Uh, but it would. It would be funny. We should definitely do that. Uh, I. And we're getting close to that crunch time now. Everyone's starting to show up to the, their community college. All of our listeners starting to show up there, sending us tweets and all that, and uh, DMing us stuff like that. So I am. It, it, it's getting the fun point. Just obviously listen to this podcast when you're feeling down when it gets to hell week. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. But it is, so I had I had one of the guys I coached go to school in Louisiana, and he texted me that his roommate was also Canadian and turned out to be a big Gate 14 guy. So shout out to all the kids getting to school right now crunch time enjoy enjoy the process of some of the shittiest baseball you've ever had to deal with in your life yes yes enjoy it love it learn it need it but yeah an- another thing if not we'll see you at thanksgiving yeah we'll see you at thanksgiving just like uh i almost quit halfway through mccook but that's a story for another time uh actually i guess we can go into that we have really nothing to talk about in this podcast besides two games wait but, uh, first year or second year so first year i'm a cook i was raking in the fall but i was miserable because i just hated the running i hated like these stupid fucking workouts we did so uh, idiot boy johnny reached out to Pratt community college <laughs> oh, who, this is awesome who re- <laughs> idiot boy johnny reached out to Pratt community college who recruited me when i was in high school and I was like, listen, man, like, I'm not happy here. I'm a cook. Like, what are the chances I can hop on second semester there? And I didn't know this. I'm a cook. I didn't know this, but you got to get a release from the junior college. So the coach reached out to John, like J.O., and was like, why are your players reaching out to me? So J.O. Gave, like, took a meeting with me. He's like, I-, I need to have a meeting with you. And we had a meeting, and he pretty much just ripped me apart. He's like, you fucking went behind my fucking back, and you're trying to recruit yourself with other guys. Like, I should pull your fucking scholarship right now, and I should – why should we have you here? I should send you home, and I'm crying in this meeting because I'm like, fuck, man, I don't want to go now. I don't want to take it away from me. So, anyways, I worked around it. I said I would do anything in my – everything in my power to make sure, obviously, it won't happen again or, like, that I won't take it for granted. And the next year I was a team captain. So it was uh, just a weird, a weird like halfway point when I got called into that office. I thought I was done. I thought I thought I was on the first flight back here with no education background, had to go to probably fucking no disrespect Fanshaw or some shit <laughs> and start studying there. So, yeah, that wasn't great. But uh, enjoy it, man. Enjoy the school. I know, like I said, everyone's going there now. Everyone's starting to enjoy it. And uh making new friends and all type of stuff. But another story that I, I, I didn't talk about uh, weird yesterday, we were at dinner and the guy that used to play for the Jays for former, like first ranked prospect of the Tampa Bay race, Taylor Guerrero, who's a friend of mine was on, was in an Uber in Kentucky. And I get a, like he never tags me or we don't really talk too much anymore as we used to. And he tags me in his story. And I'm like, what's he tagging me for? And I look at it and he's in an Uber in Kentucky and the Uber driver is listening to Gate 14. And I I, I responded to Taylor Guerrero. I, I just said to him, I was like, what the fuck? And he was like, yeah, man, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe what's going on here. But it's just those little things, like the little things, they may not mean a lot to a lot of people. But to me, it's just like, that's that's absurd. That's just the most absurd shit I've ever fucking seen. That so. was also like Bryson at dinner when it was me, you, Bryson, Alto, and a guy came over in a Jays jersey and talked to me and you instead of talking to the guy who's the professional athlete. Yeah, and Br- Bryson was like, what the fuck? 
Yeah, that was funny, man. Yeah, it just it's cool to see like Bryson at least see like I'm I'm not being just a miserable alcoholic prick uh over here. So, so you might good. be you might be an alcoholic. Well, yeah, it's good to see Bryson um <laughs> Bryson at least seeing the progress that we're making here. I know he keeps in tops with the uh with the with the tweets I do and stuff like that. So he does enjoy that, but um, yeah, that's just gate. That's a gate 14 minute or the multiple minute. That's just us pumping our tires, stroking us off. But it's awesome, man. I mean, uh, this, it, every game is meaningful here. Uh, it's awesome. So I'm excited for it. But one thing that I do want to talk about from tonight's game that really pissed me off is, is the auction stuff in the bottom right of the screen, the entire game. Now, listen, I'm not Mike Wilner. I'm not against auction. Okay. Avery, Avery, can you back me up on that? I'm not against auction. Well, until you put it in a bid, I think you might be against them. Take that back. Okay. Sorry. Oh, my God. The Cubs just hit a three-run nuke to win the game. All right. Anyway, sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. That's bad radio. But listen. That's, I, I wanna, that's gambling addiction. Back to I want to make – no, that, that's not me. I told I, I told my buddy, whale play nuke, I, I, I like, on the white side. Can you talk about what you did yesterday? Do you want to talk about no, that? No, no, no. No, no. No, we won't talk about that. Uh, but anyways, let, let, let's, go into, let's go into some – what I was talking about with the auction stuff. The Sportsnet, by the way, they start the fucking game and they put a picture of Edmundo Sosa and say he's Bryson Stott on the TV. And next thing you know, I'm trying to look at the pitch count here in the bottom right of the screen. And they just keep showing the exact same auction items. Like it, it was wild. Where, did you get did you notice that, Avery? Uh, I kept seeing from I was watching downstairs on my TV, wasn't paying. Too close attention to that. But I did see that shit come up the whole time. Uh, they're just doing their job, trying to get people to donate, man. Okay. Do you think it that... cost them the game? Yes. Yes. But let's go into some auction stuff. Let's go into some funny stuff here, Avery. What is some stuff here that you would that that you think the Jays should uh, auction off? Like, what's some what's some gate 14 auctions? Like, I'll go oh. one. I'll go one. Um, Bulls with Kevin Gosman. <laughs> Okay, shrooms and bulls, or just bulls? Just bulls, just bulls. You get to rip the pregame bowl with Kevin Gosman before he goes out for warm up. Just start your day. Okay. Um, I uh Anthony Bass church service. Jerk off with Brandon Belt. No, see Brandon Belt's dick. Yes, someone tweeted that though. Shout out to whoever tweeted that. Shout out. That was a. I wish I could give credit for that. That is one of the funniest tweets I saw all the night. We were watching on the stream, and I was crying of laughter. Um, uh, that, what else that, can we do? Um, go go out with Pete Walker, like driving lessons with Pete. Yes, driving lessons with Pete Walker. Um, what's another one? There's some catcher. Uh, hitting lessons with Santiago Espinal. <laughs> <laughs> no, with Paul DeYoung. Paul DeYoung Hit Clinic. Yeah. Uh, What's, we got we got to come up with two more. We're rolling. We're rolling on all. I cylinders. would have loved a Guillermo hitting lessons too, but we Did, can. He's our guy now. Do you think it would? He would have thought it was funny if we showed up to his hitting clinic and did. It I actually Kong. think we should bring that up to him because we're going to see him in Cincy. I, I I weaseled our way to go out with him in Cincinnati. <laughs> um, I want to say to him like, listen, I know you're doing a hitting clinic, Guillermo. Uh, what do we got to do to be able to vlog this? Like, I I want an exception. <laughs> I just I want an exception. Just let the gate four T boys because the picture of me and you on a T and Guillermo like just telling us what to do would be the funniest fucking picture on the goddamn planet, Avery. It oh, be... um, 
learning reviews from the from the all the review guys. team. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I said you get to pick one of the four songs the Jays play in rotation between pitches. I think that would be a good auction. Everybody, clap your hands! <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this, and I this podcast right now we are buzzing. We're we're, we're snapping it around, as the kids say. They play everybody clap your hands. Verbal meme when everyone's clapping their hands. The Popeyes girl on the bench, like I've been <laughs> clapping my hands for seventeen hours. All right, like they got to fix that. That is terrible. It's like I don't, I don't know. They finally like... so blog to finally wrote the article. Yeah, I saw I saw a tweet about it. I said this a couple of weeks ago when I went with my parents. I was sitting right under, um, like the overhang in one of the 100 level sections and it yeah. was right by a speaker and it was just way too much. It was just ear fucked with noise. Every pitch. It and was, I, you were getting like, you were just getting the long dick of the law. And then I go to Detroit and you can have a conversation with the person next to you because they're not playing stuff between every pitch. It's just so this isn't a, it's not basketball. Um, Like I, I like in basketball when they play the music as, like but defense. that's still crazy too, though. No, like in between dribbles, you're fucking. You hear the like that's crazy. But I feel like that has an impact, at least. Um, if you're maybe getting loud on defense, I know obviously it probably doesn't do anything to those guys. But I feel like a part in basketball and football. Say you're making noise on a third down. That feels more important than clapping your hands on a two-two pitch <laughs> in the fifth with runner on first and two outs. <laughs> So yeah, I'd love to see this guy go deep, but me clapping for him might actually be hurting our guy at the plate and these stupid noises might be pissing them off as well. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of out on that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, it's just, we got it. We got to be better. But the thing is now though, Avery, right? Like the, the blue Jays are in a weird spot because they can't let the Twitter, the Twitter. No, they can't. Win, they, right. So now so they gotta, I thought they, they were going to do it. I thought they were going to play more music now after they got chirped. They were just more, more every pitch all the time. Everybody clap your hands. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It's a lot, man. Oh, man. Yeah, that's I I guess, man. I don't know, man. It's just it's so loud. It's so fucking annoying. But they can't they can't let them win now. You can't let the people you cannot let. I'm going to say it again. You cannot let blog to win. Now what they're going to do is Avery, and you can correct me here. What they're going to have to do is they're going to have to wait a couple days, like a month, maybe, or two weeks, and then just eliminate it. And then yes. everyone's going to be like, you know what I'm saying? 100%. That's what they're going to have to do, which sucks. But that's what they're going to have to do. But, well, it'll uh, be interesting to see what Cincinnati's like. I'll try and pay attention to yeah, it. Well, yeah, well, it'll be a part of the vlog. I'm so fired up for Cincinnati, dude. Are we going Paris, Texas Thursday night? No, I can't go to that. I will... You guys all go drive to like Milton, pick me up. I'll do the rest of the way. No, I'm not doing that. I, if I'm, I'm not going unless you're going. That would be the greatest vlog ever. Because then we could do the map from Paris, Texas to Cincy on the on the vlog. <laughs> I, like I know I'm gonna get banged. I'd rather get banged up in Cincinnati than Paris, Texas. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Another yeah. thing that I did want to talk about with the Toronto Blue Jays is. And I know we just had him on, so I'm a little bit biased. Is the lack of play with David Schneider? And I will say this though, he's our guy now. He really like the, the high fastball thing is crazy. Like I don't know if you watched his at bats or you saw his at bat tonight, Avery, or like the previous ones where he was struggling. They just 
they just pepper high fastball. It's yeah. crazy that that how easy and this is it goes to show you how hard hitting is in Major League Baseball because how do I say this? Because they have a they have a playbook on you after your first fucking game. Like they he literally had a good weekend and then it just bang one for his next like whatever it was like 15 or 14 or whatever it was something about maybe one for 10 or something like that but like it is crazy the playbook they have on these guys avery yeah like just easily that's why it's so hard to hit so that's why it's hashtag respect paul DeYoung. and yes exactly uh oh i just see the cubs walk off christopher morrell jersey off that's yeah, awesome I would, I would love to see that um yeah 100 man coaches are good at their jobs i almost just fell over believe it or not Believe yeah. it or not, coaches actually do something sometimes. And when you can execute game plans, things work out for you. Um, I found it is crazy that they just right away. It was the Gavin Williams start where I really noticed it. And he just fastball, I fastball, I fastball, I swung, swing through three times in a row. He was out um, hitting in major league baseball is fucking impossible. And the guys who are really good at it get paid a lot of money for a reason. It just it, it honestly and it makes you when you like hang out with these guys like we're hanging out with Bryson. I'm like. I can't wrap my head because he's a good friend. I can't wrap my head around the fact like this motherfucker is hitting 300 in the best league in the world. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. And he, he just, he also had something to say that was interesting about the Rogers Center. First of all, the lights are super bright when they close the dome there. He um, did say that. He said he And he said it was see. really tough to see because he thought the scoreboard is too low. Yeah. He said the scoreboard was too low. And the way that a lefty like Yusei Kikuchi hides the baseball. Bryson said he couldn't see it until like it was not. Did he say halfway or when it came out of his hand? I forgot what he said, but he said he couldn't like Kikuchi was hiding the ball so well. And he, with the parlaying it with the uh, the scoreboard, it's impossible to see. And you saw it tonight. Bryson lost the ball in the, in the lights tonight. Did you see that, Dave? Yeah. And the, the center fielder, uh, Rojas, had to come in and save it. But he did say that. Like Bryson literally told me that um, at breakfast. Uh, he, he remembers it. He said this is like. When the dome is closed, it's one of the hardest stadiums besides Tropicana to see a, a pop fly or to see a line drive. And that's what he thought with the with the Schwarber misplay because it was in the lights. So yeah. it, it is why it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it goes to show you why it's just not a baseball stadium, man. No. You know? No, but that won't be fixed ever. Like that, a Jumbotron's not being moved up anytime soon. Yeah. Um, but good. We need to use it to our advantage, hopefully. Yeah. It's just crazy, but yeah. Well, I guess we can start talking about the series now. It's not much to talk about. You uh, say Kikuchi, and honestly, man, and with Gossman struggling as he has been tonight uh, in his last couple starts, honestly, maybe I, the six days rest isn't good for him. You um, say Kikuchi right now is the pitcher that I am confident every single start that he makes, he's going to shove. And I, if I if you if I would have said that to you last year, you would have bitch slapped me in the face, but. You say Kikuchi having the lowest ERA in baseball since the All-Star break is something that I can still not to this day fathom. It doesn't make sense, Avery. How many uh, no decisions does he have in that time, too? I don't want to know. It's going to make me mad. <laughs> it's going to make me mad. Um, Seattle, no decision. Two wins in a row. And then two straight no decision Or a loss and a no decision. Giving so, up one run in both those games. Yeah, he's yeah. given up. So let's go through one earned run, one earned run, one earned run, one earned run, no earned run, one earned run in his last, what is that? Seven appearances or six appearances. 
that's fucking really good. And like the batting average on balls in play, some of these is high as well. He has been an absolute stud. Just absolutely everything you've needed from a guy. Um, and why baseball being such a long season where you have ups and downs. This is just Yusei Kikuchi just taking the pitching staff, just putting them on their backs. Yeah, right just now. going, putting them in his duffy, just verbal. And just... it was Kevin Gosman to start this year. Yusei Kikuchi's doing it at the end now. Um, it's wild. And honestly, Avery, I, I was talking about this on the radio with the Fan 590 guys last week. Like, how do you justify moving Kikuchi to the bullpen it's, if it's, you make a playoff run? Yeah, yeah, you're not. You're, you can't now. You yeah, you're really not close can't. To that. But who do you, who's the odd man out? Because you can't go four man rotation. Like, Who's the odd man out in, Ryu. in that Ryu playoff is. run? Ryu? Uh, okay. Ryu? But you can't even really go four-man rotation, though. Usually teams go with three, though, no? Like, ba- I know Bassett's our guy. Like, Bassett out? Like, wh- what do you do? You? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I think it's just kind of how... I can't see Bassett being more effective out of the bullpen. So, I think he's a guy who can give you length. I don't see him. Obviously, he can be good out of the bullpen. I don't want him to be there. I think he can give you a lot of innings. And then it's just funny because playoff baseball is so different. The quick hooks are just not even close to the same as they are in regular season baseball. Um, But yeah, like Ryu and Bassett, I don't think are two guys set up that well for bullpen work in the playoffs, right? Do you? No, but that but the, see the thing is playing well, devil's only advocate. One, with, only one guy's set up well for that, and it seems that's to be, what I was just about to say. Playing devil's advocate, Kikuchi is so fucking good out of the bullpen with the stuff that he has, where that's the only guy that you could be like, I'm comfortable throwing this guy that but, was former starter out of the pen, right? Yeah, and that's just too that's too idiot try to be big brain to put your best guy you've had in the second half of the season. And <laughs> yeah. that's just, it's just not even an option. So we'll get there when we get there. Hopefully it's just crazy. Avery. I can't like even Bryson said he Bryson called him. You saw young to me in the car. We were on the way for <laughs> breakfast. He was just, it's crazy. The, the, the turnaround. And honestly, man, it's, it's a bargain. And our guy BK made a funny joke. Like I'll never get over Ross Atkins only locking him up for three years. <laughs> it's, he's only making 12 million this year or 10 million. Like that's a fleecing from you say like our fleecing from Ross, a common Ross Atkins masterclass, but there wasn't really much to talk about other than you say, you say Kikuchi at that game in the bullpen. I mean, this offense or this team in general, when they put up runs like tonight, they're pitching shit. When they don't put up runs, their pitching is fucking absurd. I don't <laughs> – Bubble Vigio legacy. The, the, that walk was the walk heard around the world. He quite literally didn't move. It was like the Roger Dorn thing from uh, Major League where he just stands over the plate when he's the old man and just gets bean to fucking give the team a chance to win. That's what Vigio did. And yeah. I want some – one of our listeners – can one of our listeners do the – and we talked about this with Alto. Can one of our listeners do the money ball – um, home run video, but just Calvin Biggio getting hit by a pitch and then the ball going over the fence. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't, I need that bad. Yeah, that was, uh, a, it was another horrendous offensive game. Just nothing was going. But it's Nate, Zach Wheeler, though. 100%. Nathan Lucas, though, out at the plate, bases loaded, one out. You didn't think you were going to score after kind of gifted that. What was it? One single, two walks, and a hit by pitch to score a run that wins the game. But, I will say this, though, that play by Alec Bohm with the bases loaded was so fucking sick. absurd. Yeah. Like, off-balance, sidearm, and Nathan Lucas sliding it. First of all, why are you sliding? Just run through. Like, that's yeah. what you're kind of taught. 
um, especially with a force out. Like you're taught to just run through because when you slide, does it, is, I'm not a math guy. I'm not smart enough with science maybe to figure out if that makes sense. But I just know my brain will is telling me you shouldn't sl- like you shouldn't slide because it deducts the time, right? It makes it slower. Yeah, so, I thought either run through or head first slide. Exactly, better exactly. Option. He like that's just a guy that just doesn't have a clue right now. Obviously, he's not playing, so he's not getting game reps. But um, yeah, it's just that game sucked. It was cool to see Jordy back. That that was awesome. Oh my god, uh, he fucking shoved oh, it he down shoved. their throat. He just ninety nine shoved. Um, but I will say this though: if you got to take this series. I'll take a split as a win, especially with this lineup right now, because folks, we got reinforcements coming in here. Obachet's coming back. Chad Green's coming back. Probably will replace Jay Jackson, who has a pretty decent amount of regression. The Silver Fox is coming back. Kevin Kiermaier is coming back. These are five crucial guys to your roster that are going to eliminate the Paul DeYoung at-bats. They're going to eliminate the Santiago Espinal at-bats because Matt Chapman wasn't playing. Um, And by the way, the Matt Chapman injury what what are we doing here i've been working out for what humble like obviously doc says i'm buff so he knows i've been working out for what since i was like 13 i've never dropped a fucking dumbbell on my hand like how, how uncoordinated do you have to be and by the way you're in the show get one of those fucking clubbies to just pick up your fucking weights what are you doing <laughs> i had uh i told you like if i was our third baseman i wouldn't get injured like that because i wouldn't work out so um Good for Matt Chapman. It had to be just he said he pinched it or something. I had one of my buddies drop away on his foot, break his foot at one point. But Matt Chapman, to miss that many games because of a weight room injury, that's not like a blown out back is is unfortunate and a tough look. Yeah. It was I don't know. I was just <laughs> I still can't believe that happened. When I got the notification, I was like, come on, bro. Uh, let's see the finger at least. Show us the finger, chap, chapstick. Show us the finger. But it's just the Toronto Blue Jays thing. But I'm just saying, Avery, like. With everyone back healthy, like Chad Green now going to be implemented into that bullpen. He's hasn't he still hasn't given up a run in his rehab, which is Linsanity run. Not really Linsanity because this guy's just good. I cannot wait, and I'm hoping it's this weekend when we're in the building we get to see Chad Green. But apparently, it's not. It's going to be in a couple series. But oh, really? I can't wait to watch this guy shove Avery. I can't. He is so fucking good. He's yes. so good, dude. I would. I am excited to see him. See him in the uniform as well. Uh, and again, Bo coming back huge. Kevin Kiermeyer coming back huge. I don't know if the Kevin Kiermeyer thing coming back is as big of a deal because of how Dalton Varsha has been playing. But again, that's the Davis Schneider at bats go away, right? Because Witt can play second, and even now, I'm comfortable with Kevin Biggio getting some at bats, getting some run while he's hot. Kevin Biggio second on the team, and I believe it is OPS plus since May 26th. I want to say second I, half of the season, he had the best uh, weight runs created plus. I was doing that today. I was going. Oh, you it. did that? Okay, so you saw because you were going to bet the hits or whatever. Yeah, no, let's go gonna, into the Kevin Biggio stuff. Di- Listen, I am a generational. All right, sorry, I'm converted. I was a generational Kevin Biggio hater, but because I'm a man of integrity, I'll admit when I am wrong. Let's look at his splits. Last 30 games, hitting 297, 409 on base, 432 slugging. Last 15, 308 average, 449 on base, 410 slugging. Last seven games, 333 average, 481 on base, 333 slugging. It's time to respect COVID Cavan, folks. It's time to respect COVID Cavan. This is an insane run, Avery. Like, this is, this is, I mean, good for our guy. You just, I love to see it. It fires me up. COVID Cavan. Uh, yeah, it would be nice to, if my computer was fucking working right now, uh, to see how this stacks up against some of the best runs of his career. But he's been very, very good. 
And I feel like you're just hitting baseballs hard that we hadn't seen. Clutch at bat again today. Uh, driving in. Great at bat. Great at bat. Yeah. After uh, some dog shit at bats before that. Um, but not him. Not not him dog shit at bats. The players before him. But Calvin Biggio now, it's making Paul DeYoung. Get ready to learn Buffalo ease, brother. Or get ready to learn DFA ease. <laughs> this, this, this dude is ah. I mean, he's just not going to play him when Boba Shek comes back. Him and Espinel are unserious. Like, yes. so do you, okay, so what do you do with Paul DeYoung now, though? Like, is he just, like, the bench platoon bat now where he gets, like, one up out a week, maybe? Yeah. I think he's going to be miserable. You thought he's miserable now? <laughs> you thought he's miserable now? Wait until he's getting one up out a week. Get ready to learn bench and ease, Paul E.D. <laughs> Cavs it. Get ready to learn that shit. Yeah, so but, I guess what? Espinel could go down, or? It's going to be Espinel or Schneider, or maybe or, both. Nathan Lucas, maybe. I don't know. Well, Nathan Lucas is going to be down for Kiermaier. That's automatic. Go. Yep. So, um, yeah, it's it, uh, it feels like David Schneider's getting sent down. It sucks, but hopefully it's after the podcast drops. Yes, that's <laughs> why we need to get this out. We won't yeah. find out till Friday, at least. Yeah, we won't find out till Friday. But and I, Johnny Sources will not be tweeting anything about that. So he's retired, as I mentioned on the podcast with him. Uh, but yeah, no, it's. I can't wait to see Boba Shet back. This lineup with Boba Shet is just always more fun to watch because that dude rakes. Like that pitch he had today, Avery. He's he doesn't give a fuck in the minors. It was like a middle middle pitch, no leg kick, just the leg lift and just smack it the other way. Oh yeah, and he's going first to home. It's like he could have played tonight, probably. Let's make that clear. Hundred percent. As long as he feels good tomorrow, I think that's where they're at at this point. As long as you wake up and you feel good, yeah. He. There's no reason for him to be in Buffalo besides to get at bats tomorrow to get you ready for to get you ready for Friday. Get that motherfucker on the first class flight to Cincy as soon as possible because this team needs him. I kind of that jersey goes nuts. The Bichette for Buffalo one, like that's yeah. a that's a good party jersey. Like that's a good like boat party jersey. Like the Boba Bichette. One of our listeners bought one today. I just really? got t- someone yeah someone tweeted at me that he bought one. Shout out to that guy. That's that's electric shit. That's a jersey that you could wear wherever. And that people are going to be like, that jersey goes nuts. Yeah. Like the old... Because uh, what number was he wearing? Number four? Four, yeah. Like that's the that's the, only the first and the last game he'll probably wear tomorrow, I guess. He'll only wear that for two games in his entire career, the number four. So it is. It's it's a collectible. It's a collectible item. But uh, yeah, shout out to our guy, man. Um, need to see Boba Shep back bad. Need to see him back bad. But um, let's go into today's game, man. Uh, so Kevin Gossman, Avery, can you pull this up on the Savant? Uh, Savant Slutch stand up. Uh, he's was he just not throwing his splitter tonight? It it, it felt like he wasn't because the Phillies were either maybe he was t- t- uh, tipping or uh, I don't know what it was. He I really don't. Twenty five of them, thirty percent. Okay, know. were they were they were they all like takes? Like what what was the swing rate on those? It, it couldn't have been that high. He only had five strikeouts tonight, I think, right or four? He had four strikeouts tonight. Uh. Zone swing percentage, 61%. Out of zone swing percentage, 24%. Okay, so it was good then. That's weird. Oh, no. Out of zone swing percentage, 41%. Other one. He didn't throw it in the zone ever. Only 32% of the time was the ball in the zone. So maybe they just saw something with it. And it's, hey, if it's up above a certain point, swing. If it's down, kind of like the O's you said, right? Yeah. Um, If it's down, just don't even. If it becomes a strike somehow, whatever. Fuck, the Mariners won. The Jays are only a game up now. Uh God damn it, these motherfuckers. You know who the Mariners face next? Uh, I'm sure like the A's. Yes. 
But yeah, so. I don't know, man. Gossman's looked weird lately, man. I mean, I think he's better, and I I, I could be contradicting myself because I might have said he's better on six days rest a couple podcasts ago. But I do think the six days rest maybe is fucking with him. I feel like he's a guy that just has to go five days. He's been struggling, man. His last couple starts haven't been that good. Uh, let me pull it up. Let me pull up his last couple starts here because I know tonight obviously got the loss. Five innings, five earned runs, obviously with the with the Espinal area. Espinal the hell, by the way. Um, five runs tonight. Zero is last start. Never mind. Never mind. Zero, three, one, four, two. I don't know what it is then. Maybe maybe he does not look into overpowering with striking guys out. Like four strikeouts, six strikeouts, six strikeouts. That might be it. It's not the 12 nines we've seen of before. Yeah. So maybe he's not getting as much. He's not getting as much swing and misses on two strike counts because they're just laying off his splitter. But uh, yeah, he. It, but when he's bad, he's not bad, though. That game tonight, Espinal, I don't know what it is. And like no one's talked with this Espinal. Maybe it's my dumb brain looking at this, Avery. But he always double clutches, clutches on fucking ground balls. Like he goes like double. Like that's what you're taught when you're six. Like don't double, double, double clutch. And this, I'm just fucking having a meltdown on my words right now. And this dude is just bang, bang, not even close. But well, on the air today, I think the runner getting in front of him is the reason he did that. Because you see the runner who was going uh, second yeah. or third. I forget who the runner was, but he was right in front of Espinal. He was ready to throw. Runner runs in front, double clutch again, throws a low. Vladdy's got to make that play as well. Wasn't wasn't one of the tougher. It's ones a little there. bit of both, though. I'm gonna probably say 75, 25. Like John Olson and McCook is body bagging me uh for not picking that. Really? Uh yeah. yeah. He's not getting mad. Like our JUCO coach, like JO, we'll talk about this when he when he comes on whenever that is. He doesn't get mad at the guy that makes the error. He gets mad at the guy that doesn't pick it at first. Nice. Like I remember I remember sometimes, dude, like some guy would like throw like a dog shit hop to me and I wouldn't pick it, even though I picked everything. I missed like one. And he'd be like, pick the fucking ball, John, like screaming for me across the diamond in the middle of a game. Pick like just would just roast me. Not the guy that just does a two hop to me at first base. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's 25 on Vladdy. That has to get at least put in front of you because that did score two runs. I think it was right. Yeah. Yeah. So not great from Vladdy. Lost the lead, too. You just got to take this. I mean, listen, you had a decent, the Jays had a decent, decent stretch without their best hitter. And a lot of guys like Kevin Kiermaier wasn't playing that much of it. Chapman missed a decent amount of it. Uh, no Trevor Richards. Chad Green's still not here yet. Like, this is a decent run they went on There's here. There's a pretty unserious lineup they put out back-to-back games. Exactly. So, positive Johnny saying, it's all right. All right? It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. So, Let's attack the off day tomorrow. Let's win the off day. We're going to win the off day. Whatever Bobachet does, that's yeah, what we're going to be whatever doing. Whatever Bobachet does is... Whatever Bobachet does, if Bobachet gets a hit, we won the off day, and we're back to a game and a half up on the Mariners. <laughs> that's where we'll be at. Uh, but, yeah, let's go to listener questions, David. It's going to be a long pod for the people. Hope you guys enjoy. Hope you guys... If, if you are in Cincinnati, I think I mentioned this last podcast, or on the live stream, DM us. Uh, come hang out with the Gate 14, boys. I know we... I know I already got a pretty decent amount of... Uh, of DMs about that. So if you if you're there, just tell me. Tell okay. us. Uh I don't know if you told this here. Uh where did you meet Bryson? Someone wants to know. Okay. Um, so yeah, when I went to McCook, obviously, shout out Dave, Chase, Keanu, all those guys are from Vegas and went to the same high school as Bryson. So I went to uh I went to Vegas for Keanu's baby shower. Shout out Kason. Uh his baby mother hates me. I don't know if she does anymore. She still <laughs> she she might. But I went to the baby shower. And uh, me and Keanu, at the age of 18, I used an, I used a fake ID 
of my buddy who's ginger named Jared Barilla. So I just got like I just kept on getting me and Keanu drinks. And this was the worst fake ID ever. This is like the worst fake ID on the planet. But me and Keanu got mangled on the strip. One and did a two hundred dollar hand on blackjack, even though we're underage. No one ID'd us, and took our winnings and just left. And I remember Bryson came and picked us up. This is when he was a freshman at UNLV or a sophomore at UNLV. So this is like before he was really good at baseball. So he came picked us up, and we just hung out with Bryson for a little bit. Came good buddies with him. After that, started playing Fortnite with him. Would like talk every day, Facetime, like just became. And then I'd go visit him in Vegas, uh, three times a year, like. Uh, twice in the off season and then once during the season I'd visit him wherever he's playing like Williamsport or stuff like that and then I surprised him on draft day uh, me and his mom coordinated it where I would show up the day before on draft day and I surprised him because uh, I like I wasn't talking in our group chat or wishing him any good luck or anything like that and he's like what the fuck so I just surprised him on draft day and uh, got to experience that with him so yeah I've, just been, I've been boys with him for like seven years so I met him through the the guys in McCook oh yeah um, someone wants to know if the code coding cabin uh run is legit. Has to be. Oh, it's legit. This is a 30 game stretch now. This is not this is not a fuck around zone by COVID Cavin. COVID Cavin is he's he's hemothy. He has a as A would say, he has hemitis. He does. He has hemitis right now. He has now. a dirty, dirty case of hemitis. Yes. Uh why did Johnny and Blue Jays dad get on good terms? Why did we? Yes, or how did it Because happen? he sucked me off, like pretty much just sucked me off online. I, I literally, and the crazy thing is, is his shtick is, is he'll just say outlandish shit, which I think he might be a generational troll, like one of the best to ever do it, because he tweeted, <laughs> I was right about the bullpen, right about the <laughs> Calvin Vigio, right about this, right about that. And just, I just ratioed the shit of him. I said, credit to you for saying Boba Shet's your starting shortstop. That's, <laughs> that took brave, that took bravery out of you. But he doesn't acknowledge when I chirp him like that, or he won't say anything, but he'll pump my tires when I have a funny tweet or any of that type of stuff. So I'm back in on the Blue Jays, Dad Train. This is the easiest way for Johnny Junto to become your guy, is you just have one tweet, one tweet being like, I love the Gate 14 boards, or I love Johnny, and I'm back in on you. Like, for example, <laughs> uh, I'm not fond of the nerds on Twitter that are like baseball savant guys. Like, you know who I'm talking about, the 18-year-old make-believe GMs. But the one guy that I do like is EJ. Shout out EJ on Twitter. You know EJ. Yep. Great, very smart guy. He pumped our tires a couple times on Twitter. I didn't follow him. He followed us, said he loves the Gate 14 podcast, all that type of stuff. Very cordial with me. Never chirped us ever. Would never chirp us. Um, and like I'm in on him. But the other guys, like they can fucking rot. Like they're they're dead to me. <laughs> but I, I only have room no, for think... one guy like that. So shout out EJ. But yeah, you you pump our tires. You be nice to me. I'll be nice to you. Yeah, That's you where I'm at with you it. Don't even need to pump the tires. Just don't. <laughs> yeah, just don't be a dickhead to us. <laughs> like <laughs> like just understand what we're doing here. We're just having fun, and we'll be your guys forever. So I'll, I'll yeah. have Blue Jays dads back forever now. I'm gonna be staying okay. in Minnesota for the wild card series. Yeah, yeah, we'll stay at his place. <laughs> if that happens, man, ever it'll that'll be something else. Okay, uh, Judah, show Judah wants to know what our first jobs were and how did those end up. Okay, well, we'll go. Okay, I'm not gonna count my first job. I can entire. Yeah, I had like two. I had two kind of like fake first jobs. So my first job was at the lumber yard where I would illegally sell wood to people for cash. Um, that was my first job. Uh, good fellow lumber, biggest piece of shit, racist company on the planet. I might, we might get sued for me saying that. Uh, but never mind. I'm joking. That, that, that was all a joke. Wait, that was all a joke. But anyways, just a loser company. And, uh, I don't even know if they're still thinking anymore, but 
yeah, that was my first job. Very old-fashioned run. They would smoke cigarettes inside of a lumber yard, which obviously is very highly illegal. They would smoke cigarettes in the office. So I got I was thrown into the mix. My little gap year between McCook and high school, like pretty much pe- people were saying like it was a pretty much wake up call. Like if you don't pay, it, like if you don't have any ambition in life, this is where you'll be. So it woke me up a lot, actually. To be, we used to get mangled on Fridays at the warehouse. We used to get, like just fucked up Fridays at work. So we'd just be working. <laughs> And everyone would just be fucked up drunk. So it was a fun job for the little time being I had it. I used to go back there every summer. Yeah, I was. I had similar thing as to where I was working in the summers. I would work at Humberview Trucks, but I my job was to get brand new cars off the trucks, clean them, get them ready, and then drive them to the airport to be rented. I did that every summer I was in college. It was so I got to work with like two of my best friends. It was an awesome job. It was like. Four really young guys and the oldest workers you'd ever seen just mixed in together. Um, we had so one of the one of the workers, just an Asian man who loved badminton, like could, wasn't Shout great. Him out. Uh, yeah, Quan, one of my favorite people I've met in my whole entire life. He showed up to one of our baseball games because we all played on the same like junior team together. Um, just an absolute awesome time. But then I I did one day of landscaping in my life and I got fired after that. Um, okay, I, I did landscaping a little bit too. I, I did everything, bro. I did golf course maintenance. I did landscaping on the side, moving jobs. Johnny Blue Collar. Landscaping's fucking tough, man. Working out in the sun in the summer. It's so good. It's so good to get you in shape. Like it literally snaps you into great shape. Oh, you're yeah. literally just you probably lose like ten pounds a day. Like and, that's obviously an exaggeration. And you're but... working with your arms. Like you just that's good man strength right there. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's a blue collar type shit. Yeah. So shout out to all the blue collar workers who listen to this during work. Or if you're fucking the far, the guy who's on the farm who is like getting the crops ready, listening to Gate 14. I love when he tweets. That, that. Yeah, that's the best. I actually, I want that tweeted at us on my desk every episode. Yes, I want that on my desk every episode. I want the guy on the farm. If you're listening, I know you are. I need that video farm update. I want just the caption farm update. Gate 14 forever. That should be the caption. Uh, but keep doing your thing, brother. Fuck yeah. <laughs> If we were to uh, combine the 2023 pitching and the 2021 offense, would the Jays win the World Series? Easily. Be, they'd be the Atlanta Braves of this year. <laughs> it would be the most uh, – impo- it would be the greatest team ever. It would be the greatest team ever. It's it, it just like the Vince McMahon meme. It was special. They yeah. were special. Okay, so wants to know if we'd consider doing a Gay 14 playoff bracket. Also drop our playoff bracket predictions of playoffs started today. Um, I don't have that pulled up unless you can pull them up. I know I will not be doing that. Okay. <laughs> so we'll do that. We'll do that next episode. Yes. Then. Sorry. We will. We should do a playoff racket. I can set that up and like the yeah. winner gets a piece of merch. So yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah we can do that. Make yeah. sure Andrew, you remind us before the playoffs start and I can make that happen. Yeah, uh, definitely. Th- is Edwin the next one to make the level of excellence? Easily. No questions asked. And him doing this, the, the hitting stuff with the team right now and kind of being in the clubhouse. Uh, I think that's kind of him adding to the adding to the charm. For the for this team, okay, we already know that Avery did this. Uh, but did Johnny wear the Davis Schneider, Brett Cecil, clear Oakleys in his playing days? No, I wore these. Why? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I'm trying to think. I I don't think they had my prescription in those. I could be wrong. I could be wrong with that. But I used to wear these when I used to play hockey. 
Picture me under a helmet wearing these. No way, dude. Yes. Yes. I, if you wore a fishbowl or something, that would be the best look of all time. No, I wore glasses under and I would just body bag motherfuckers. And I, the thing is, though, what sucked is, is I'd wear glasses and I would try to chirp someone and they'd be like, nice fucking glasses, dude. Like what? <laughs> like, shut the fuck up. And I'd be like, it's a fair point. It's yeah. Point. You got me, man. So, yeah, that's why I will never strap the hockey uh, skates on ever again. Why don't you just wear contacts? I probably can now, but back in the day, I couldn't touch my eyes. Actually, I'm going to try that right now. Yeah, I'm chilling now. I can touch my eyes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, before, I couldn't. So that's why. Yeah. In retrospect, I probably could have because would, it would have eliminated a lot of getting make, made fun of by their team. But I think that made but, you stronger in the end. Yeah, it made me stronger. Okay, how many MLB stadiums? We've, I think we've answered that. But what MLB stadium do you want to go to next? I don't think we've answered the second. Petco. This. Petco, for, Petco for me and Fenway I want to get to. It's pet. It's Petco or bust. I mean, the way the stories that Musgrove was telling about that fucking stadium is like he just he 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 painted a picture that I can't get out of my head. I need to go to Petco. Bad. I uh. So I've been around Petco, but never seen a game there. Uh, oh really? I've never even been to San Diego before. Yeah, I went to San Diego for a day. I got COVID there. Um, hmm. Yeah, so I'll never forget that. So I've. I kind of feel like I've been there. I'd love to see a game there, but I yeah, for sure. I would like I would like to go to Fenway. Last one. Hot take to say I want Kikuchi to start as the Jays two guy in the playoffs. No. That that's not a hot take at all. He's the second he's he's like the most consistent starter on this team. Yeah. Also, way too early, but what would you like to see the Jays do in the offseason this year? They're gonna have to replace Chapman, but I don't know how. I'm in the boat where we need to let the young guys be in Hook? the majors next year. Yeah. So I don't. But you know, Ch- you know, Ross Atkins is going to make a phantom like Matt Chapman type trade, right? You know, yeah. he's going to pick up some random guy. For sure. But I think we have talent in the minors that is just going to continue to sit there. Either you trade it for good major league talent or you let them try and play next year. I don't I don't think this should. It's going to be a big, big offseason for the team. Obviously, you can try and get in on Shohei um, for what they estimated, what, $700 million. Um, yeah, that just that's not happening. Yeah. That's just not happening. But other than that, I, I'm i pretty sure it's not that great of a free agent class either. Uh, no, it's terrible. So I, I don't actually think they make a big, big splash this offseason. Trades will be bigger than the big free agent moves. Yes. Yes. That's all we got here. Okay, let's go into the series preview, man. I mean, I, I, again, this is a game that you should win. I mean, this is a series that you should win. The Cincinnati Reds are scuffling, obviously, not looking great. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays got a, it's good pitching matchups here. Uh, Friday, Jose Barrios versus some bum who they don't even haven't even announced yet. <laughs> uh, Saturday is Chris Bassett. Oh, sorry, the Friday they haven't announced yet. I think Friday is a bullpen game for them. Uh, Saturday is Chris Bassett versus Williamson. No idea who that is. By the way, the Saturday game's at 6.40 p.m.? Yeah, that rocks, dude. I thought... Under the lights? I thought we were rolling hangovers into day two day game. <laughs> was, dude, that I, rocks! Yeah, I know. So we can go out till a break of dawn. And then oh, I'm just, not sleeping. I'm not sleeping. It's Friday night. Yes. Yeah, so that's like we uh, can yeah. get back to the room at like 6 a.m., Six hours, seven hours, eight oh, hours. That sleep. is, that is. Thank you, Robbie Manfred. Six forty p.m. Saturday under the lights. Yup. Sign <laughs> me the fuck up for that. Okay. 
And then Sunday, I'm assuming, is Ryu, right? Yeah. Is it Ryu or? Ryu. Barrios Ryu? is Friday. Okay. So Barrios, Bassett, Ryu. Jays take two or three in the two games they win is when we're in the fucking building. We turn this around now, Avery. Yes, we turn the everyone, no-hitter juju around. If everyone shut up about us watching the Jays out of country. Because uh, our record's what? One and two now? Not great. Not great. No, it's Yeah, it's one and two. So we turn things around and we get to three and two by the end of the weekend. And the Jays sweep the weekend. Okay. Love to see that. Get their cattle back. Good pitching again. Um, overs in every game because Great American Ballpark's built for ants. But uh, I think they can sweep. Need they, they actually need to sweep. They need to sweep. <laughs> You're gonna say sweep? I thought you were doing the reverse thing. We've been working on that. Jays get swept. Jays get swept. Need that. But it's gonna be. Listen, this vlog is gonna be the funniest shit because we're going to have everyone recording stuff. Like we're going to have Curtis behind the camera at some point, Alto, me, you, whatever. It's going to be the funniest mixes of vlogs ever. And we're going to be going to the tin roof after old faithful. And if you're in, if you're in Cincy, meet us there. Uh, we'll be firing that staying up till 6. A it's, I cannot wait, dude. I have jitters thinking about we're two <laughs> days away from Cincinnati and Alto and Curtis are making the smart decision to go to Kurt, Chris Stapleton on Thursday night. So they're just not going to, they're going to, they're going to be puddles in the car. So it's going to be me and a, it's going to be the Johnny and Avery show on the drive up. So stay tuned for that gas station review. Should we do gas station reviews? That gas station review video I did went nuts. I think we should do gas station reviews. We can do what, literally whatever we want. And if it sucks, we take it out. We just delete it. Edit it. Twitter blue. Uh, Avery, uh, as long as I get all the videos, I I think this can get out like Monday or Tuesday again, as long as I'm in a good headspace. And you bring it out. You can edit it in the car. Uh, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I mean, neither. <laughs> I would never do that either. I just wanted to throw that out there. I want to have so many Zins on this road trip. May there should be a Zin counter. Maybe I'll do that. I'll do that on my phone, see how many Zins I had. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's funny because my mom will see my tweet. She'd be like, did you actually have 20 Zins this weekend? I'm like, no, it's a joke. It's not a joke. I had 20 cents on that weekend. That's just like uh, but my, yeah. my mom asking me about the Marlboros I bought that are going to be on the kitchen when she comes back. It's like, yeah, <laughs> I'm just saving those for my buddies. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Johnny's a big smoker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, anyways, man, uh, we're getting into crunch time. I keep saying this every podcast. This is fun baseball. I don't care if they're in first place, third place, in a playoff race, fourth place, whatever. Every game meaning something just tickles my fancy. Tickle, tickle, tickle. It fires me up. So let's have ourselves a weekend. Let's win a series in Cincinnati. Let's body bag out of La Cruz, Dela Cruz or whatever. And let's have ourselves a weekend. Let's have our, it's a summer weekend here in August. Enjoy it. Have a great one. And if you haven't bought tickets yet to Gate 14 Bar Night, buy tickets. Hope you enjoy the David Schneider interview. Love you guys. Gate 14 forever. Let's have a weekend. Yep.